Welcome to episode 11 of the Power Podcast, presented by Power Magazine and PowerMag.com. The Power Podcast is the latest offering from the longest-running power industry publication in the world. Established in 1882, the Power brand is dedicated to providing its global audience with news and information important to the power generation industry. Now here's the host of the Power Podcast, Executive Editor Aaron Larson. On today's episode, I'm joined by Brian Curtis, founder and CEO of Concentric Power. To start things off, Brian, could you please tell listeners a little bit about Concentric Power? Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Uh, yeah, Concentric Power, uh, we focus on uh, modular cogeneration systems and uh, more broadly, uh, microgrid systems, mostly for the food and ag industry. Although we think our solutions have uh, broader applicability across uh, a lot of different uh, agricultural and uh, industrial applications and uh, potentially into uh, commercial as well. But uh, we started the company about uh, seven years ago, and uh, we spent the first few years really understanding in depth what the market needs were and, and talked to a lot of customers about uh, power requirements on site. And this was all in the context of most of them had gone through extensive energy audits and, and took, took out the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, on energy efficiency. Most of our customers have either looked hard at or have done solar projects and have really sort of tapped everything out that was uh, relatively simple to do. And where we came in was to look at, okay, how can we take it to the next level and not be afraid of some of the complexities that go along with uh, having firm power on site. So uh, our solutions are generally natural gas. Uh, we can do biogas as well. Uh, but natural gas uh, reciprocating engines uh, is sort of our sweet spot, although we've looked at uh, some other prime mover technologies like gas turbines for some of the larger projects. Uh, which is part of my background. But uh, what we discovered in talking with customers is that there was a real need not only for firm power to uh, complement renewables and energy efficiency and everything else they're doing, but also some uh, real smart controls and data visibility. And uh, when I say data, data visibility, what I'm really thinking about is uh, being able to present actionable data to uh, the operations team at an industrial site, um, industrial meaning also uh, food and, and uh, food processing. Um, so we kind of put all those pieces together and it led us towards uh, the, the solutions that we have today, which is a combination of hardware and software, as well as uh, services that go with it. And you've instituted a, a couple of systems for farms. I should probably call them agricultural companies because they, these are more than just a mom and dad type of a farm. How much power did they need and, and what type of systems did you get into uh, installing for them? We've implemented a couple uh, pretty good size cogen projects at, uh, as you said, uh, at, at farm facilities. And, and really uh, the sort of facilities that we're talking about, is, as you said, are, are really industrial scale uh, type facilities. So we're, we're talking about uh, the two, two projects that, that we've done so far. One's uh, Taylor Farms, 
Uh, the other is True Leaf Farms. Uh, both are in California, uh, and both are fresh vegetable processing plants. So picture a 250,000 square foot processing facility that's 34 degrees inside. So what they're doing is bringing uh, product in from the field at field temperature, which in summertime can be 90 or 100 degrees, cooling it down to 34 degrees, and then doing their processing, which is cutting and washing and bagging and mixing and, and all that sort of stuff to create the the fresh vegetable, like bag lettuce, for example, uh, or party trays that you might uh, see at a Super Bowl party. Um, that's what our customers are doing. And uh, as you can imagine, that's really energy intensive. So uh, each of those facilities, they're roughly the same size, are uh, about five megawatts of total load. Uh, so I'll talk about the Taylor Farms project first. Um, Taylor Farms was an interesting one. Uh, when we started talking to them, they had already uh, implemented a, a wind turbine. So they have a, a 1.8 megawatt uh, wind turbine behind the meter. Uh, and they were just in the process of uh, starting construction on a one megawatt solar system on their roof. Uh, so uh, we uh, came along, did the analysis, and uh and sized up a, a cogen plant for them at two megawatts. Um, so at the end of the day, that facility is effectively off the grid, although uh, still interconnected, of course. Um, so altogether, we're offsetting almost all of their their grid power. Uh, so that was a, an interesting project, uh, not just for our, our own piece, but um, as the firm dispatchable power that Cogen can provide that sort of naturally puts us in the position, uh, whether we want it to be or not, of, of controlling uh, and really uh, making operational decisions. Uh, basically, the, the wind and the solar are going to do what they're going to do, and the facility load is going to be driven by their core business, not necessarily on power. And so what our system does is not only provide the firm power, but uh, looks at everything that's going on and, and determines how to be running that plant at any given time. Basically, the control system for your equipment is monitoring the solar input and it's monitoring the wind and, and basically running the the combustion engine at whatever load is necessary to meet the demand for that facility, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, you got it exactly right. And so what, what's kind of interesting about our approach is we, we took a little, uh, a little bit of a new way of thinking about it, um, where conventional wisdom would tell you to size a cogen plant at base load and run it at 100% all the time. Uh, that's kind of the conventional way to, to do it. Um, we sort of flipped that over a little bit for a couple of reasons. Uh, we sized up our plant and and are able to do uh, proactive load following. And there's a couple of reasons why that is possible uh, with today's technology. One is engine technologies have gotten better. So uh, it wasn't too long ago that that if you turned an engine down from 100% even to 75%, the efficiency curve drops off a cliff. But uh, some of the advanced engines today, uh, we're using uh, Caterpillar, uh, the, they, they've got a really nice efficiency curve where you can turn it down from 100% down to 
down to 50% and even lower and really not lose much efficiency at all. So that, that's one aspect, technically speaking, that, that allows us to, to do some of the load fall. And the other aspect is uh, on the software controls. Uh, we've, we've got a, a, an advanced system that we developed ourselves uh, using mostly available and open uh, software, but uh, proprietary algorithms to control the, the system, uh, as you said, looking at what's wind doing right now, what's solar doing right now, what's the the site host doing right now, and then determining uh, that or how we should be running the, the cogen plant. The other data that feeds into that algorithm is economic data, including the, the current tariffs uh, from the, the, the utility. Uh, so we, we take economic inputs as well and, and figure out the, the optimal thing to be doing at any given time. With these based in, in California, are they allowed to sell power back to the grid if, if the prices are warranted, or is that uh, not an option? Yeah, it's a good question. It is an option, uh, but it's not necessarily trivial to get set up to do that. Uh, as in order to get paid to export, you fall under FERC jurisdiction uh, in terms of you got to become a qualifying facility. Uh, so you go through the whole QF process and get qualified. And then uh, once you go through that process, uh, there's uh, tariffs available to define pricing, but there's also uh, opportunity, uh, we believe, to, to do some uh, direct negotiation either with the utility or, uh, for example, we're working on a project right now that uh, there's a community choice aggregate program in place in the community that, that we're de- developing a project at. And so with that CCA, um, they've got the ability to purchase the power and you know, make the economics work on their side. But uh, that's an interesting one uh, be- in the, to the extent that that community is, from an economic development perspective, working on uh, promoting an industrial park and, and power has been a real bottleneck on that development. So they're excited to have us in the mix to be able to provide a lot of the power infrastructure and to the extent that the, that infrastructure may get built ahead of new tenants coming in there. They've also got ability to uh, purchase the power through their CCA, uh, which really helps the whole development process. And now the cogen aspect of your equipment uh, works with an ammonia absorption system. So could you explain a little bit about that for people that may not be familiar with how you can get refrigeration out of a, out of a heat input? Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that we do uh, for, especially for the food industry, and it's, it's got some other uh, process applications, for example, with uh, pharmaceuticals or um, potentially even data centers and other uh, temperature controlled applications. Uh, but what we're doing is, uh, as you mentioned, a uh, aqueous ammonia absorption chiller. And uh, the way that works is basically it's driven by the, the waste heat from the engine. So we, we take the waste heat from, uh, from two, two places, really. The, the engine block itself, which uh, is refer- referred to as a jacket water, and then from the exhaust. Um, so we take uh, those two sources of heat and, uh, and it drives an uh, aqueous ammonia absorption process that is basically uh, integrated into a refrigeration system and rather than using electric motor driven compressors to do some of the refrigeration uh, we use the heat to through a series of heat exchangers and a separation column 
to basically manipulate temperature and pressure in different parts of the system to, to do that refrigeration. Um, so it's what's interesting about it to me is it's it's a textbook technology. Literally, if you open up your thermodynamics textbook, there's probably a, an example of, of this provided there. But what was interesting to us is that uh, when you go try to uh, find one, uh, there isn't really, it hasn't really been commercialized as a product in any way. Um, the, the industry just over the last hundred years has been all custom engineered projects that, uh, were designed for a certain, uh, location and, uh, and then designed from the ground up. And so our, our goal with it has been to turn that process into a product. Uh, so we've definitely had some learning curves and, and, uh, bringing that process up and to you know, commercial commercialization, but it's it's uh, working out well, and and we think there's a huge opportunity to take that technology and really simplify from a, a customer's perspective, and and not have it be a, a custom custom engineered project, but a sort of catalog engineering exercise where you can go through look at our different options and sizes that match up with different engine sizes, and uh, and it's a real uh, simple mix and match sort of process. And what's the feedback you've gotten from the farms? Are they really happy with the results and how the system is working and, and the chillers are working? Yeah. So the, the feedback has been good. Um, I, I think, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, Taylor farms as an example, to the extent that they've got multiple sources of power generation on site, uh, and, and we're able to, to show good data visibility and, and basically provide the firm power. Um, that's been great. Yeah, I would say the the, the biggest challenge uh, really has been getting through the whole interconnection process, which is kind of a known process, uh, or not kind of, it is a known process on, on how to interact with the utility and, and get through all that and, and do interconnection. Um, so, you know, we, we've gone through that now and, uh, you know that that's probably the been the the biggest challenge, but uh, but otherwise, technically speaking, it's uh, performing really well, and yeah, you know, I think it's it's a real scalable technology. Now, if if uh, someone comes to you, a, a new prospective customer, and and says, you know, I'm interested in in learning what you can provide and how you can set this up for us. What's the typical process? I mean, you go through and you look at their load demand and look at what they, how they would use the system, and like, how long does that process normally take? Yeah, it can actually go really pretty quickly uh, with with our modular approach and and uh, the, some of the tools that we've developed uh, to do that sort of analysis. Uh, we can usually get a, an indicative idea of what a configuration would look like for a given site, uh, sizing and, and costs within a couple of weeks. Um, and, and, and we can actually go faster than that. Um, so that's, that's one of the things we're kind of excited about relative to how Cogen has been done in the past is, um, to the extent that Cogen has often been, uh, you know, an, an engineered, uh, custom engineered project. Um, a lot of times, Historically, projects have started out with a long feasibility study where you go do you know, six or nine months of study on load profile and all this kind of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, we've we've got we've been through it enough now with enough sites that we can really quickly identify 
the the real key metrics that we need to be looking at to do the sizing and to the extent that we can do do the load following and and uh and really control the system well in real time um the the sizing question isn't as critical maybe as it used to be um so we can get through it pretty quickly that's one of the barriers that that we heard from customers when we first started the company asking, you know, if you look at the numbers, it's kind of a no-brainer. You should be doing cogen. Why aren't you or why why haven't you taken the leap yet? And and a lot of times what the customer came back with was, well, it's a long extended process. It's going to take a long time to get through the engineering study. We've got our core business to run. We're not in the power business. And so, you know, all that complexity has really uh, sort of discouraged us from from heading down that path. Um, so our philosophy was to eliminate that and do rapid proposals and and get uh, investment grade proposals or investment grade analysis very quickly. Then uh, we can take some of that out of the equation and uh, really focus on you know the economics and how it matches up with uh, what the site's doing. I saw recently that Concentric Power announced a new financing program. How is how is that going? And have you seen any people coming in and, and uh, making use of that yet? Yeah, we're really excited about that. So, what uh, what we've got in place is a, a project finance program. It's a hundred million dollar program uh, with an institutional fund that's backing us on that. That was in terms of barriers that we've, we heard about from customers. One of the other ones was uh, uh, basically capital allocation or being able to, uh, they, they want to do the projects, but don't necessarily have the capital to allocate to it. Not necessarily because they don't have the capital, you know, as a, a healthy, profitable business, they, they can make investments in our experience. But uh, at the end of the day, a lot of times they end up wanting to deploy their capital in their core business, which is not power. Um, so that was really the, the the catalyst of wanting to put the program together in the first place. And so um, what it what the program uh, allow, has allowed us to do is uh, define what a successful project looks like within certain technical boundaries as well as economic boundaries. And since we have that really well defined, uh, we can very quickly kind of going back to your question about being able to put together technical study coupled with a, a proposal, uh, we can do that really quickly and offer, we, we talk about energy services agreements, which is similar to a power purchase agreement um, or PPA, as we call it an ESA for energy services. And uh, we can, since we have that defined, we can, we can really offer firm pricing really quickly with a, a project that we know is going to work for a site. So uh, the second part of your question was uh, if we, gotten uh, interest on that and and yeah we have it's it's been uh it's been good uh, we've we've had uh quite a bit of inbound interest and uh what, what's interesting about uh sort of our initial market that we've chosen to to play in is uh the sort of larger scale refrigerated ag industry in California it sounds pretty specific when you say it but it turns out it's it's a pretty big market but there's a lot of known players that we've been talking to for a long time. So what the way I kind of think of this program is we've had some good inbound new interests for folks that maybe we weren't talking to already, but it, it's also getting to be able to provide uh, just one more thing that can 
push projects over the edge to, to getting done uh, if, if the customer doesn't have to think about the capital side of it. Uh, so we've got you know, some flexibility within that program to, to tailor finance solutions for, for different customers. Uh, so we think it's going to, I think the $100 million initial program is probably going to go pretty quickly uh, in terms of interest and, and deployment over the next uh, yeah, call it 18 to 24 months. When you uh, think about the infrastructure and, and how it has evolved and changed, you know, a, a large majority of our audience is the power generation, you know, working at plants, whether it's coal plants, gas plants, nuclear plants. So how is your product and your solution for these different farms, how is that going to affect the, the overall system uh, and the way that power gets used in, in the U.S. and maybe elsewhere? Power infrastructure is is evolving quickly right now, and and one of the big drivers for that is some of the transmission and distribution and substations and and all the infrastructure, not just the generation side, but everything else that goes with it. And what we're seeing from our customers' perspective, and again, this is kind of agricultural, large scale agricultural, which is generally in rural areas or, or you know not necessarily in, in uh, where the infrastructure is uh, very dense um, they're expanding operations quickly and growing and, and really getting really sophisticated in how they run their facilities and and power has been sort of a bottleneck um, so uh, when it comes to especially new growth uh, but even uh, retro, uh, projects on uh, existing facilities um, as they want to take the next step in their infrastructure on site they're running into some bottlenecks on on the the, the grid power in terms of you know timing and, and capabilities um, so as it as I see it um, I think the distributed distributed generation is going to uh, be a growing trend. I think it's going to complement the the centralized uh, power stations. You know, whether it's in California, it's mostly natural gas, as uh, to the extent that coal is mostly gone. Nuclear is also phasing out in California right now, uh, and in the meantime, renewables are growing, uh, continue to grow uh, pretty aggressively. I think the distributed generation is going to complement all of that really well, and I think I've, I've always been a, a huge believer in uh, all of the above strategy in terms of uh, power infrastructure in the country. Um, I think every, I think different regions have different dynamics and different uh, energy capabilities that they can and should take advantage of. Um, you know, whether it's uh, you know, natural gas in some areas or, or coal or nuclear, I think there's a, it just, if, even if you believe that, we want to get to 100% renewables at some point in the next 100 years. I think it's if you just look at the math and 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 the infrastructure that exists, centralized power plants, coal, gas, nuclear are going to be around for a long time, um, much longer than the life of the assets that that we're talking about. Um, our our cogen plants, the the prime mover, the engines, typical life is 20 or 25 years. I think centralized power is going to be around for at least that long, complementing everything else that's going on. So I think on the hardware side and the infrastructure side, there's 
there's room for all of this to work together. I think one of the most interesting things that's going to evolve over the next 10 years is, is on the smart software and controls. You know, smart grid is kind of an overused term, but, uh, but it really does apply. There's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do with distributed generation to play into to the grid. So there's, there's a few different strategies that we're, we're looking at on that front. We're looking at distributed generation as well. Power is uh, starting a new conference this year, which is going to be held in Denver called the Distributed Energy Conference. So that's uh, something that's definitely com- becoming more important throughout the entire country. Well, is there anything else yeah. that uh, maybe I haven't asked that, that you'd like to bring up or mention? I guess one one aspect I didn't really describe in terms of what Concentric's business model looks like is uh, – we're a combination of, of engineering, uh, project developers, uh, project finance, um, but we also have technicians that are on site and you know, we can roll trucks to do maintenance and uh, we're really hands-on involved with operations, which is a little bit different than renewables tend to be. You know, wind and solar kind of, they, they do what they're going to do, but uh, because we're firm power and because of the nature of, of cogen projects, there's more moving parts. Uh, we're we're on site and interacting with customers all the time. So, in terms of sort of a classic asset management role, we we borrow a lot from the conventional centralized power industry and in, in how we think about uh, running plants and, and managing the assets. So we're we're building a network operations center to that end. Uh, and we, we think about, uh, you know, if we look at a hundred million dollar project finance program, that's going to be size range from 400 kW up to 10 megawatts. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll probably have 20 or 30 projects just in that first program. And, uh, they'll all be run through our, our knock. Uh, so we'll have engineering eyes on, on the systems, uh, at our headquarters. Uh, but we'll also have uh, technicians out in the field that are you know, have a real presence on site, and uh, and then asset managers that that manage those assets, just like a an asset manager for uh, you know somebody like Dynegy or or Duke or somebody. Um, so there's uh, we we try to take the best of all worlds in terms of thinking about power infrastructure and doing it in a real robust, world class. You know, solid infrastructure sort of way. So your network operations center will basically have uh, the ability to look at any of the machines that are out there operating and kind of gauge how they're doing. And if there's, uh, if you're seeing any trends or, or seeing any problems, then a technician that would be on site would go out and, and get a closer look. Is that how that would operate? Yeah, exactly. It's it's and it's already operating. Um, so we uh, we're doing it every day already. And the interesting thing about the, a knock a sort of philosophy in today's technology world is, uh, you know, we've got it set up here at the office with some big screen TVs and and all that it looks pretty cool. But the, the reality is, uh, you can with the cloud based computing, which is what we take advantage of, uh, you can really leverage it from anywhere. So um, for for example, today is uh, President's Day. It's a holiday, uh, but we had a plant that was uh, down for maintenance on uh, Friday. of a planned maintenance event. Uh, the host was not running uh, very much over the, the three-day weekend, but they were bringing a crew back on. They were, they were uh, bringing up a shift this morning. So uh, 
just a, a real-time example, our technician was able to, to log in on his laptop, uh, do all the system checks, and, and start the plan up this morning uh, on schedule uh, as, as part of the, the plan the plan operations and maintenance. Um, so we've not only got the, the knock and uh, our technicians in trucks, but we've got engineers and technicians uh, on laptops that can really provide 24-7 support in a really good way. So uh, we're pretty excited about kind of what that business model looks like over time. Uh, we, we think about it with our customers is we're really, it's a partnership at the end of the day. Our, I mean, we're going to be on their site for the next 20 years, shoulder to shoulder, talking about you know, weekly operations plans and, and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of the nature of the beast when you're talking about Cogen. Um, so that's, that's where we're a lot different than, than, solar wind that uh, is, like I said, they just kind of do what they're going to do. But uh, we're we're into the operations, and and that's what we like to do. And with that, this episode of the Power Podcast has come to a close. I'd like to thank Brian Curtis for joining me on the show today. Watch for the next Power Podcast coming soon. Thanks for listening.